But no, today is an awesome day. We're really excited that uh, in just a few short hours, we'll be welcoming members of our community onto our property to share the love of Jesus with them. And uh, it's, you know, I guess it shouldn't amaze me at this point in my life, but uh, when I had been preparing for this message, wasn't really thinking that the two of these were going to come together today, but we're talking today about what it means to live out the purpose of God in action and in, in the things that we do. You know, I shared over the last couple of weeks uh, an image, if you can throw that up on the screen, the three circles there. There's what we know, there's what we experience, and there's what we do. And, and all of these things are feeding into each other. What I know feeds who I am, and what, who I am feeds what I do. What I do feeds who I am, and it feeds what I know. All of those things working together. And so we've, we've talked about this hope of Jesus that is in us that, yes, we know it. We know that there's hope from God, and we, we have that. But then we experience it in our lives. We talked last week about what it means to take a few steps to begin to experience that hope. But this week, we really want to focus on how do I share the hope of Jesus in my life? How many of you realize that God did not just save you so that you can sit back and say, I'm saved, right? God did it because he was doing a work in you and through you to reach the world around you. You have your own circle of influence. There are people that you will encounter that I will never get the chance to speak to. There are people that I will encounter that you'll never get the chance to speak to. We, we do this in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to begin to do the work that God has called us to do. But I want to talk this morning out of James chapter 2 and, and just really explore this idea of what it means to couple our faith and our actions together. Because James had some pretty uh, crazy things to say about the, the, the connection there and how important that is. So in James chapter 2 verses 14 to 17, it says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Maybe they don't have a winter coat. I think that's another translation. And you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. James is making this incredible case here that there is a connection between the faith that we live that takes it to a different level beyond the faith that we just believe, right? We all have beliefs in our hearts, right? We believe things. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here, but how many of you know actions speak louder than words, right? Isn't it frustrating when somebody says one thing and does another, right? We call that politics. No, it's just different. Sorry, that's, I took a shot there. That was wrong. Low blow. When somebody says one thing and does another, and listen, we've, we've talked about this even the last couple months. For you parents out there, just really encourage you, the most, the most effective way for you to teach your children how to live for Jesus is to live for Jesus. The most effective way for you to teach them how to pray is to pray with them. The most effective way to teach them how to read the Bible is to read the Bible with them. It's not a secret sauce. But how many times do we see the examples, you know, parents who will say, don't smoke while they've got a cigarette in their hands. Don't drink while they're drinking. Don't curse while they're yelling at the, you know. We, we, we see those examples and the reality is we know that actions speak louder than words. It doesn't matter what you tell me, it matters what I see. 
And what we see speaks volumes way beyond anything that we would ever say from our mouths. And so I just want to encourage you as we start out of the gate here, this is James' thoughts here. He says, listen, your actions are going to speak louder than your words. If you're telling me you've got faith, but it's not coupled with action, he's like, it would just be like if you saw somebody and you're like, hey, I noticed that you're really hungry and you're really cold. Good luck with that. I got to go. Sorry for your luck. You guys want to go to Applebee's? I'm, I'm really hungry. You hungry? I'm hungry. You hungry? You're hungry. We're not taking care of that person. This is exactly what James is speaking to when he looks at this notion of putting our faith into action. He says this, and it's a harsh statement, but unless your faith has action behind it, your faith is dead. That's his statement. Unless your faith has some action behind it, your faith is actually dead. So then he goes on to say this in verses 18 to 20. Someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. I, think, I love this translation. Good for you. I, just, I love that. You know, it's just so us, right? Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Good for you, he says. Good for you. You believe there's only one God? Good for you. That's amazing. That's, that's a great start, but guess what? Satan and demons believe there's one God. You, you, don't, you literally don't have an advantage over them at this point. You know, how many of you have ever heard somebody tell you before they're a good person? Everybody, anybody ever be told that? I'm a good person. I do good things. Maybe you say that on occasion. I'm a good person. I try to help out. I try to help other people. I try to take care of other people. Um, I've known people uh, in my life, you probably have too, that are not professing Christians, or maybe they're even anti-God or atheists that are some of the kindest, most generous people you will ever meet. They'd give you the shirt off of their back. And, and so we look at these two concepts where there's a faith that has no action and there's an action that has no faith. And the reality is that action and faith are not equal to each other. They have to work together. Action doesn't equal faith and faith doesn't equal action. Just because I'm doing something doesn't mean that I'm being godly. And just because I believe in God doesn't mean that I'm living by faith. There's a challenge, there's a difference, there's a step. And, and I love this, and for many years, if you've been in church or in Christianity, maybe you've heard the term this, uh, that Christians have been called believers. You ever hear that term before? And have you ever, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, right? Okay, is anybody awake? Okay, I was just worried for a second. Somebody, check your neighbor's pulse, get back to me. Here's the new word that I think is far better for us to consider. The new word that is beginning to trend is not just I'm a believer, I'm a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow his example. I don't just believe that Jesus was the son of God. You know, as James said, even demons believe that. No, I'm following his example. I'm following the way that he lived. I'm following his love. I'm following his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. I'm following in Jesus' footsteps and I'm becoming more and more like him. I might be, not be doing it with perfection, but I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. Because here's where the rubber really meets the road. It's not about what you believe. It's about 
the faith that you are living in your everyday lives. I love it that it's put this way, and I've shared this quote many times because it is one of my absolute favorites, probably top three, but it is from St. Francis of Assisi. It's probably a CC, but I like to say sissy. Here's his quote. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, meaning at, you know, at your last resort, if you absolutely must, use words. And, and I love that idea because don't we get a little hung up sometimes on, I don't know what to say? Like, I won't have the right argument to win somebody to Jesus. Or, and we, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have asked me this question. What if I'm talking to somebody about Jesus and they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? It's over. Just forget it. Cover your head in shame and go home. I don't know what to say. But listen, James is not making the claim here that the only way to lead people to Jesus is to go get a Bible degree to become a theologian. And again, reading the word of God, getting into the Bible and studying the Bible, we who have access to the Bible like no other time in history. Did you know that if you own an electronic device, you could have a Bible on it for free? version app, all right? I'm gonna throw that out there. I get no royalties from them, but I love version app. Free Bible app that goes across all platforms. I use it every day. I love it. You have a phone, you have a tablet, you have a computer, you could have free access to a Bible. Not just one, but like 55 translations and different devotionals. We have access to this stuff all day, every day. Read the Word of God. But what we read, what we learn, what we know Who we are makes no difference unless we begin to live it. It's not enough for me to believe in who Jesus is. I mean, I could memorize the entire Bible, but if I didn't begin to act in love towards the world around me, 1 Corinthians 13 says, I'd be a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'd just be noise. That's what it says. Your words are just noise because love has to be displayed to the world around you. There's a reason for this, though. Because when we, when we begin to live in our purpose, when we be, begin to live the way that God has called us to live, taking that action step, it changes the world around us. Because here's the thing. If God's only concern was for you to go to heaven, then his best bet would be that the second you accept Jesus into your heart, he would just snap and you'd be gone. Right? But he left you here. And why? Well, here's why. We read about this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises to his disciples. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's exciting, right? We're going to power from God. Here's why. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's where we clench up. We go right back to, I don't know what to say. God wants me to go tell the world. God wants me to broadcast to the world. Like I've got to have the right words and the right things. And and what if I'm not as good a speaker as Pastor Chris is? What if I get my words mixed up? What if I can't say the right thing? What if I, what, what if I, this is not the purpose behind what God has called us to do. He says, no, I'm calling you to live it for your neighbor. I'm calling you to live it for your community. I'm calling you to live it for your family. I'm calling you to live it for your coworkers. Not just to tell people. And listen, here's the sad reality. 
If the only reason those people in your circles would define you as a Christian is because you said so, it might not be a living, active, breathing faith. If the only reason your coworker or family member or neighbor would say that you're a Christian is because you told them you are, it might not be a living and active faith. He finishes, James kind of talks about this very thing in verses 24 and 26. He says, you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. For just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. Now, I want to pause here for a second because there's a debate that comes up a lot in this idea of what it means to be acceptable before God. Listen, Scripture makes so very clear to us that we are not saved by our works, okay? God doesn't save us. He doesn't forgive us of our sins and and offer us eternity in heaven with Him because we've done enough to earn it, okay? The Bible even says that would be ridiculous because then we would just go around boasting, saying, well, I did more than you, so I'm more saved than you, or I've done more than you, so I'm more saved than you. He says, no, this is a free gift of God and it's just from the grace of God. But here's the point that he's trying to make. He says, when that grace of God is imparted to you, it should make a difference in you. We should see life in you. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, when you've asked them, how you doing? They they say, I'm still fogging the mirror. Does anybody ever hear that? I'm literally the only person in America. Thanks, Len, I appreciate that. That's, That's wonderful. Very old term if you've never heard this before, but going back into the days where we didn't have like the, the medical uh, ability to like listen to heartbeats and things like that, one of the ways that they would test if someone was still alive is they would take a piece of glass or a mirror and they would stick it under their nostrils and if even the slightest bit of breath was coming out, a little bit of fog would go on the mirror and they'd say, that person's still alive. And listen, for us This is what he's speaking to. He's he's talking about how a body without breath is dead and a faith without works is dead. But if there's something inside of you that is alive, then it should be noticeable and be seen by the world around you. You know, when I say I'm still fogging the mirror, I, I speak of it in terms of the fact that I want the world around me to see that God is at work inside of me, that he's doing great things, that it's not about me, it's not about the, the, the great works that I'm doing so that I can boast about myself, but to be able to point to Jesus. You know, in, in about two hours, we're going to have people here on our campus, and we're going to give them a free coat. That's so exciting. You know, as we, as we said before, that doesn't happen unless you're being generous, giving financially so we can buy the coats, giving of your time so that we have a staff that's going to be here and welcoming people, giving of your talents. Some of you made hats to be able to give to others. I mean, th- this is the beauty of all of it, but here's the reality behind it. Those people who are going to come in, they might be tempted to think that we're great people, that this is a great church. A great organization, if you will. But we get the opportunity in the midst of that, of living faith out loud, to be able to look at them in the eye and say, no, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He has a plan for your life. He can meet your needs. He's the hope for your life that maybe you've been missing out on. He is the hope for your future, the hope for your marriage, the hope for your children, the hope for your grandchildren, whatever it is, there's hope because of Jesus. And we're going to say that today 
without having to speak a word. Because we're just going to wrap coats around kids. We're going to let parents know that we care about them. Now, we're going to tell them about Jesus in our life center as well. But I want you to know that there's something to be said for living your life out loud for Jesus. It's a game changer. You know, we all have kind of a reputation as Christians. How many of you have ever heard a negative thing about Christians? Right? You know, I remember when I was a teenager, I was working for the Coca-Cola Bottling Company in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Not hamburger, not hot dog, just Hamburg. I get asked that all the time. But I was working, and I'm, I'm 17, and I'm, I'm like, you know, young and idealistic, and I'm, I'm working with this guy, and we're talking. I'm trying to talk to him about Jesus. And he, he's sitting there, and he says, I know all about you Christians. You know, I'm young and idealistic. I'm like, oh, good. What do you know? That's cool. What do you know about us? He says, what I know is that you go to church on Sunday, and you raise your hands, and you worship God, and then you walk out and go to the next day into work, and he turned his hands around, and he put his fingers up. And he said, and you, you flip off the world and say you don't care about anybody. And I was like, oh, is that what Christians do? Is that who we are? Is that the reputation we have? For that man, absolutely. Listen, there have been people through history that have been hurt by Christians. The reputation of Christianity has been hurt by Christians. But God says, I put my spirit inside of you so that you could go live out loud the life-giving, life-changing spirit of God so that people could see the difference and not be pointed to you, not be pointed to an organization or an ideology, but be pointed to relationship with the only one who's capable of changing our hearts. Church, we get to express the God, not through our words, not making some great debate. Listen, I, I know I'm, I'm a debater. I am. I love to debate. It drives my wife crazy. My brother and I, we get together. My brother, my dad, and I, the way we have fun is to just debate everything. It's wonderful. I always win. But here's the thing. You're probably not going to win your neighbor to Jesus by having some great debate with them. I, this is going to shock some of you, but please hear me. Please tune in right now. If you've been sleeping the whole message, please tune into this. You're probably not going to save your friend group through a post on Facebook. I don't know how to tell you that. It's just the facts. You're not going to save the world through a post on Facebook or Instagram or Be Real or whatever is out there. I don't, I don't know. There's a million things now. Because the world doesn't care about your opinion. I'm just being honest. They don't care about your opinion. But I will tell you that if you begin to live it for them, they will care about your example. They will care about your example. And God says, I put my spirit inside of you to go into the world and be a world changer, a difference maker, so that the people that you encounter in your circles of influence would see and know me through you. 
Church, that's what it means to experience and step into sharing the love of Jesus with the world around us. And listen, there's not one of us in here that God has excluded. God doesn't have, oh, well, that group, they're the ones who know about hope. Oh, that group, they're the ones who experience hope. And that group over there, they're the ones who go tell people about hope. No, God says, I have all of that for you. I've given you purpose and a plan. I've set you apart and I'm calling you to go into your world and live on purpose with the hope of Jesus so that your friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors, and even the people who drive you crazy could come to know Jesus as Savior. Church, that's what it means to give the love of Jesus. You're a missionary. You're a witness. You're an example. You're the one that goes into the world and without saying a word can show people that you are different because of Jesus in you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the incredible example that you have displayed for us. It would have been enough for you to say that you love us. It it would have been enough for you to just say that, that you love all of humanity, but you didn't just say it. You put your love into action and you displayed it. And you gave your one and only son on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that you could display the depth of the love that you have for every single one of us. And God, I pray that we would be so moved by your example that it would begin to stir in our hearts, God, to change us in the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we think and respond and talk. God, that people would see us and without having to say a word that they would know there's something different in us, that we wouldn't have to explain Jesus inside of us, that they would see Jesus inside of us. God, I pray that you'd help us to live with purpose because we were created for more. We were created for more than just going through life and going through the motions and getting swept up in what everybody else in the world is doing and how everybody else in the world is responding. You've called us to be counterculture that stands up and says, no, there's a God who loves you and he's worth living for and worth dying for. So God, I pray that you would put that into our hearts. As we're in prayer this morning, maybe you're here and you've never even taken the first step Because obviously you can't share the love of Jesus until the love of Jesus is inside of you. But you'd say, you know what, I want to receive God's love. I want to receive that unconditional love that cares so much about me that God gave of his only son to save me. I I want that. If that's you, can I ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray with you this morning. Or maybe you're here this morning and you would say, I want the love of Jesus to come out in my life. I want to ooze Jesus everywhere that I go. I want people to see the character of God through my actions and attitudes. I want people to see the character of God in the way that I am and not just what I say. Can I ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Can I ask you to stand as we get ready to close out the time together here? Church, I want to pray over you and pray that God would give you the boldness to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. To not just be a believer, but a follower. To not be one who says that I'm following God 
in my mind and I believe in who he is in my mind, but I'm not living for him in my life. There is a huge difference. But as we take that step into the purpose and the plans that God has for our lives, my prayer is that it will change the world around you, that God will help you to realize you are his witness and he's using your life as an example of godliness, not just your words. And as you put that on display, the people you love and care about and thought you might never be able to reach or tell about Jesus, their lives will be changed by that example. And so God, I just pray right now for every person in here who raised their hand and said, I want to ooze Jesus in my actions and attitudes and responses. God, would you challenge us? Would you convict us right now in this moment that if the only reason someone would know that we are a follower of Jesus is because we said so, that God, that's a dead faith, that's a dead works. Lord, we need to be a people who are displaying your character every single day, that there should never be a question in the way that we talk or the things that we do or the things that we allow or the the responses that we have. There should never be a question, God, as to who it is that we serve. And God, I pray that you would just put that in our hearts, Lord Jesus, the decision to be world changers for your glory, to be the godly example to the world around us, that people might see us and know you. God, I pray that you would help us to put faith into action, realizing that if we just have a faith that's in our minds or in our hearts that has no action behind it, that we're just fooling ourselves. Such a faith is useless and it's dead. It does nothing. God, it's not until we begin to live for you that we are truly your followers. So help us to walk in uprightness. Help us to bring glory to your name because we can't do it on our own. We need you, Holy Spirit, to work through us because we are imperfect. But we serve a perfect God who can do all things. And we thank you, God, and I pray that as we go our separate ways today that you will send us and have us to look for opportunities, God, in which we can display your character, display your kindness and mercy. Help us today, God, as we have winter warm-up this afternoon to display your goodness and kindness, that the people coming into this place would sense your kindness, Jesus, and that they would not be drawn to us, but drawn to you. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Go into your mission field and live for Jesus this week. Love on each other and encourage each other. If you are helping us with winter warm-up, we'll be having lunch shortly. If you're unable to help, please keep us in prayer. And our prayer team would love to meet with you at the front if you need prayer this morning. But Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day.